a member of the DATC media family. Wow, Carl, I felt like a teenager again last weekend. That's great. What's her name? Uh, Becky Sue <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, three nights of uh, of this Billy Strings, and it was a Lord of, Lord, of the, Lord of the Strings, it was called, away from the Shire. Oh, wow. But and it was all... Did um, anybody wear f- fake Hobbit uh, extensions on their body? D- dude, there was all like kinds of that. Ears. But a best of all was the set list and the show followed the storyline, mm-hmm. loaded with subtlety and, and more direct stuff. And yet you didn't have to know the trilogy to appreciate mm-hmm. what was going on and to feel the passion. It really felt like a culmination of where Billy's been going. And now he's painting, he painted his masterpiece with the position he's in, you know. He has access to people who can help him do this. He has musicians. Mm-hmm. This one woman on flute from, from a Boston band uh, came out and just shined so well. Um, Very cool. Any, um, like, Shire Hobbit um, favorites? What, how's that? See, Chris is going to answer these questions. Okay. I just want to say that, <laughs> I don't know. Again, Three nights making making me feel like a freaking eighteen year old again. I mean, well, it ma- sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. It like was. fun, fun, fun. Not just like it's not a concert. It's deeper. There's more to it than that. <clears throat> Everybody knows the trilogy. I mean, come on, well, you a know. lot most do. Right. One funny moment. Chris Johnson, who we're gonna have on the show, was a couple rows in front of us the first night, and about six, seven songs in uh, between songs, I leaned over to him and and uh, I actually went to the row between us and then kind of tapped him and said, "Hey." Is every song related so far? He's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like two or three people on the other side of him kind of looked over at me like, who is this idiot? <laughs> 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 I guess it's pretty obvious to you the old fucker to the initiate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that all the time. He's got anyway. a patriot shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're five. We're five hundred, man. We reached five hundred. <laughs> Funny. Well, anyways, more on that. More on all the guest musicians, including Dwayne Trucks. The final night, mm-hmm. first time I know of that that the band has played with a drum and. Billy picked up his electric, and there's been hmm. spotted signs in the past where I've been really knocked out by his electric playing. Not that he's good, but he's just such an amazing acoustic player. Do you know what style guitar he has? Electric Les Paul. Guitar? He plays Les Paul? So okay. Okay. They, were going, they would play a, an electric song, then an acoustic. Mm-hmm. I think because of the tuning thing. Aren't they hard to keep in tune? Um, it, I mean, I guess it all depends on... I mean, you might have a different tuning. I mean, could be some special... Tunes, if it's standard tuning or whatever, but I mean, but that's the thing they could they were slamming war pigs mm-hmm. and fire, but yet they end the set with Long Journey Home, the bluegrass standard, and it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, what other artist can do that and make it work? It's just I don't want to go on too long because I'm not the expert. I'm just floored. I'm happy. I won't be probably seeing him as much because um, 
You said it going in arenas. Now, yeah, right? which I'm all about. I'm not anti it, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I like seeing the small. I, I love, my favorite thing is seeing bands that are bigger than the room. Yeah, whether it's a Disco Biscuits here or Fish back in the mm-hmm. early '90s, or whether it's Umphreys in the early 2000s. That's what happened to me. I think with Fish, and it's funny because it, it goes around the hol- Halloween motive, like we're talking about. When I saw Fish, I saw them in like you know Grand Rapids and uh, Kalamazoo and these little state theaters and stuff. And then one Halloween, they did Aquafenia. A quadrophenia Aqua, yeah, in Chicago. No, yeah, in Chicago in the Rosemont Horizon, I think. I, yeah, I did was. you know a year later the Who played the same room and did quadrophenia? That's funny. Wow. But see, I wasn't very familiar with that movie at all. So I was kind of turned off with it. I was just like, well, I don't know what this is. And there were a song or two that I recognized. But, but again, the arena, it wasn't the same. You know, but I think that was the birth of the Wookiee, right? <laughs> I don't know. I that, thought that was that show. show. I thought that was the show when um, they were dressed up like uh, somebody was dressed up like uh, Chewbacca. It's uh, Brett's friend um, Squirrel. Is that right? Yeah, and he went on stage and he was supposed to do something on stage in a Chewbacca outfit, and I guess he had stage fright, didn't do anything. But I think that's where the whole Wookiee Wook. Uh, euphemism came from was from that night. I could be wrong. Hey, if y'all know any better than us, email or email us at. Uh, Sh- oh man, <laughs> stew, stew on this pod at gmail.com Stew on this pod. I will say this on that night. You know, they that was the second of three sets, and then they came out for the encore uh-huh. and did an <laughs> acoustic. My generation, I think it was on a, a center stage or maybe even in the crowd. I don't know. It was not on the regular stage, mm-hmm. but then at the end they smashed there. In huge in who um, fashion for yes, sure. Of course. Old, hey William, how's it going? Hello, hello. You got and anything to say about you got anything to say about football this week? Here, I'll share I'll give you my mic. Come over here. You hey, know talk what? to Rob for a second. I'm glad you mentioned that because we get a lot more listens on this show than we do on our weekly NFL pick thing. So we should be talking about it more on our show. And here is Will the Pick Thrill, the hello, star hello, guys. of our N- uh, NFL picks YouTube. He, he like lifts Ryan Stasek, Carl, and myself on his shoulders with his brilliant analysis. And uh, what do you think? Were you surprised that the Patriots beat the Jets this week? Um, I was really surprised. As I went into the week, I was calling the Jets win. Um, but I was really happy to see the Patriots play well. I've always had a lot of faith in the team. Bill Belichick always keeps you keeps you motivated with that team so but i'm really loving the patriots this year they're really starting to turn it around that defense back to what it used to be i think last year they slowed down a little bit but starting to pick it back up again and look at the last four quarterbacks we've played one was not fooled or phased by bill belichick so props to mr justin fields that is true he has he has looked really good everyone was calling him out for weeks and for only a year last year and he's looked incredibly these last couple weeks i don't know if it's Strictly to do with maybe the coaching, maybe changing up a little bit and what the calls they're calling for him. Maybe the belief in Justin Fields might make a big separation, but I'm loving Justin Fields. <laughs> All right. Now, this is a Billy Strings episode. Billy, uh, most of his youth was in Michigan. Can you give some hope to Detroit Lions fans? If they look at their team, what positives can they see for going to the future? Well, obviously, your picks are going to be great. <laughs> but um, Which has always paid off. Well, always, always. Um, but on top of that, I think once you replace Jared Goff, that offense is going to be electric. That offensive line is getting amazing. Yep. Running backs, amazing. Amra St. Brown is turning into one of the better receivers in the NFL. So, Lions, awesome. You guys have a lot to look forward to. Give it a couple more years. I know we've been saying that for 50 years now, but give it a couple more years, and you guys will be up and ready to go. And you know the problem with Jared Goff. Oh, of course. He's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. He's good looking. He can throw. I'm sure he puts his clothes on right now. You know who he reminds me of a lot? Old Jimmy Garoppolo. Throws that short pass, and that's all he throws well. Throws over the middle every time instead of throwing it outside the numbers. He really reminds me of someone named Jimmy G. Mm. And he got into a Super Bowl just like Jimmy G did. But he won it because he's a... 
Maybe a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe. Maybe his coach. <laughs> maybe. I, I think it does have to do with coaching. I, I love Sean McVay as much as I hate the Rams. Sean McVay is awesome. Sean McVay, why is the Belichick coaching tree so unsuccessful, but the McVay coaching tree so successful? Yeah, that would be- Can I just say for uninitiated, that's uh, assistants and former pe- people who worked for McVay and went on to be head coaches themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, it, it is really weird to look at, especially the Belichick one, because obviously everyone calls him the greatest coach of all time. And every single coach, you got McDaniels, look at the Raiders. They were supposed to be a playoff team, one and six. You got, <laughs> you had uh, Patricia on the Lions, horrible every year that he was there. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. You look at it and it's like, I wonder if it's, they're trying to recreate Bill Belichick's scheme, but obviously Bill Belichick is his own person. He's created that his whole life. He's been doing that his whole life. Yeah, we're looking at a picture of a young Will. <laughs> uh, just saw a picture of me when I was like five. All right, one last thing, Billy Strings. He's fr- he lives in Tennessee now. Does he? Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel. What's standing between them and, and uh, getting to the conference championship? Trading A.J. Brown. I will leave it there, but I think that was one of the worst franchise decisions they could have made as he is turning into one of the top receivers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He is just like Debo, but honestly a little bit bigger and a lot better to catch. People underestimate him, but he really has a lot of those Debo traits. He can break the tackle. He can stiff arm people to the dirt. He can run you over, and he can juke you out. A.J. Brown's a monster. And if you look at that last week with three touchdowns, every single one of those touchdowns were tough, contested catches that were not not – not just wide open, not easy touchdowns. I mean, those were A.J. Brown's touchdowns. So The days of uh, underpaying receiver, wide receivers because they're divas are over. Over. you got to pay your receivers, man. Do you think that's a good thing, though, if you don't mind me asking? For the wide receivers and their of families. <laughs> but we're talking about all-around NFL. You have a certain salary cap, and let's say you divvy out $40 million to your top two wide receivers. What are you left with? Well, that's the point. That's the trade-off. You know? oh, that's the reason I probably ta- – one of the reasons Tyreek went, one of the reasons oh, they course. let him go – and will Debo stay in San Francisco? By the way, he is a, a Niners fan, Mr. Will. I am indeed. I love the Niners. But um, Debo's already signed his contract. He should be there as long as he doesn't request a trade like he did last season. Um, but that was all just a contract pool. That was all a way of making more and more money. Just It all started with Christian Kirk last year, and it just snowballed out of control from there. The craziest deal I have ever seen in my life. Christian Kirk, 80 million dollars as a wide receiver too. Oof. That's crazy. I wish I could make 80 million dollars to be a wide receiver too. <laughs> so we are on Dropped Among This Crowd Media YouTube every week. And uh, check us out. Appreciate you guys having me in here for a second. Absolutely. You guys get back to your podcast. Thank we, you, guys. We will do. Actually, what we're going to do is in honor of the, the, this Billy Strings episode, we're going to play this song.
upstream. Just remember to try to. Oh yeah. About to talk to the running back. No. Hello, hello. Hey, brother, what's going on? Can you hear me? Okay. Absolutely. Can you hear me? Yep. We we have to talk into the phone and the mic at the same time. So if at any point you're having a hard time hearing us, do not. Do not hesitate. Remember, we can. I'll be editing this. We can take out anything. You don't have to worry about. Chris, this is Carl. Just a lot of inside baseball for you, buddy. Hey, Carl. <laughs> yeah, it's my friend Carl Engman, producer, <clears throat> musician, chef, rock on tour, freak. Right, right. So, babysitter. I want to start this way. When when did you first hear of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and initially uh, either read the books or see the movie? Z. I we my family moved to Kentucky when I was in uh, when I was in fifth grade, but we we moved around for a year and finally settled down in sixth grade. And a good friend of mine, Jay Morgan, lent me he read Fellowship of the Ring, the first book, and lent it to me afterwards. And I couldn't put it down. I finished it and reread it again because I didn't want. I didn't want it to be over that quickly. I didn't want to have to start the second book and be that far along. So I read the first book twice in a row the first time I read it. And then on to the second and on to the third, and eventually the movies, right? Way, way, way later. I I probably read the the original trilogy three times in a row Mm -hmm. when I first read it. But at that point, obviously, there were no cell phones. There were no, we're talking 1980 or so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had CD players, <laughs> but there was no internet. There were no cell phones. There. I did a lot of reading at that age. And then talk about the movie. To what extent does the book, uh, is it different from the movies? Oh, the- Lord. There's all kinds of differences in the books and the movies. They they had to cut out a lot of things. They had to pad a lot of things. What the movies do show are, for the most part, pretty accurate as far as the books go but you know they embellish to make the 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 scenes you know to make them bigger and more extravagant and but there are you know there are lots of big parts of the books that are left out of the movies completely just just to get keep the story moving and you know I, i i can see why they did it plus there's a lot of confusing things that happen in the books that they didn't have time to to try to go over in the movies, even though the extended versions of the movies are what two and a half hours, three hours. And what Billy Strings did last weekend in Nashville, North Carolina, with his three-night run, each representing a book, but it really is more representative of the movies, correct? Yeah, I think he. I think they. I think they just centered on the movies because that's what most people are familiar with. The the same things the movie. But he, I don't think he really covered anything that wasn't in the movies. So and, I, I'm guessing he went strictly by those. And I should say you're a huge fan of, of Billy Strings and his band, his now quintet band, and you have been for a number of years, correct? I have been for a few years. I am by no means a Billy Strings expert. There's a, you know, I, I recognize most of the tunes and, and the songs. I don't have quite all of the lyrics down yet but to all of his songs, but I'm working on it. I will say this. I'll tell you, Carl. Uh, Chris is the kind of guy when we're all together at these events, and you, you know how sometimes you, you, you wonder what music to play, that sort of thing. He's a guy mm-hmm. who takes over as a DJ and has a, a real good knack for finding stuff that everyone will like and finding the right song at the right moment. And I've noticed that the Billy Strings stuff is more and more. Oh, you'd probably like hanging out my, with my wife. Uh, she's the same way. <clears throat> she plays DJ. There you go. We call her DJ Ellen every time she walks in the room, and she knows just the right thing to play to and fit the mood. 
there's a there's a there's a definite reading of the room. Mm-hmm. It's an art form. Music for a group. I'm a I'm a, a music authoritarian. I play what I want everybody else to listen to. <laughs> Usually for better. Well, yeah, there's some of that involved as well. <laughs> I will change them. They will become my my slaves. Well, the, it's particularly fun when he plays Cortez the Killer from Government Mules with a little help from my friend's box set and does the Chuck Lavelle and stuff. Uh, he knows oh, that by heart. Chuck I, Lavelle. Oh, that New Year's Eve, that New Year's Eve show. That that Cortez is amazing. All right, buddy. So you're there for the first night, the first set. They come out and they they explain how they set it up, and, and you can see the video of this. Uh, the first. 15 minutes or so of the show on, on uh, YouTube, unless it gets taken out. But go ahead, walk us through the setup for this run. I think the YouTube is audio only. I didn't see any video, but I could be wrong. Did they not do the preview, the, the first song preview kind of thing? Yeah, but they they did for the three shows, but not for the second set, which is too bad because I want well. Oh, right. But they, they they do the intro. What were they telling us in that intro? And who who do you think was speaking? Who was the voice? Was there any significance to who was telling us? The, the setup the the initial speech with where Billy was off stage I'm pretty sure that was pre-recorded uh, it's it's essentially the the same as the intro to the move to the first movie okay except in the in the movie Galadriel is the narrator if I'm not mistaken and they they tried to mirror that oh right that's the uh, el- that's the elf uh, Eldris the Right, in my queen, essentially. Queen, queen yes. Okay, okay, go on. Look at you. I mean, I've seen the movie. I love the movies. I've seen them a bunch of times. Yeah. They're great. And uh, they had the stage set up with a circular screen in the middle, almost the, kind of a Pink Floyd circular screen like they've always had. Right. Uh, three kind of scrim uh, looking, I, I'm not sure how to describe them, on either on each side of the of the circular screen in the middle, and then two big rectangular screens on either side on the on stage right and stage left. Most of the video was shown so that people in the back could get a good idea of what was going on. And then on the, uh, on the stage itself, on the front left and right, they had a Hobbit, uh, sh- basically Shire uh, looking setup with the Hobbit door and the front of a Hobbit house. I think it was the same on both sides, just slightly different, slightly different Hobbit-looking houses because they start out in the Shire where the Hobbits live. And then as Billy took the stage, they started in with what is essentially the theme and what uh, a melody that would pop up again throughout the run, particularly in that first set, correct? Yes, there was a lot of discussion beforehand. I'm on a bunch of music discords and groups and such, and there was a lot of discussion about whether they would just try to do Billy's songs and make them you know, play songs that had something to do with what was going on or whether they would actually use the soundtrack music. And they did. They mm-hmm. Billy wrote an entire song around the Shire music. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think like, it's called, go ahead. I think it's called Concerning Hobbits. Cool. <laughs> okay. I mean, the first played songs was like, what, 60% or more? I was, uh, well, the first night there were a lot. And, and over the course of the weekend, we got 20 or so. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of work that was put into this. I, I, yeah, it's, it seems. Did, he, did, did the band have any kind of break before this to focus on this at about all? About a or? week, a little over a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think, so they started off with, with the initial theme from the first movie. The, the Shire music, it's all happy and fluty mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I, f- 
I figured they would go, you know, they'd play that for a minute or so and then go into one of Billy's songs and they didn't, they morphed it into, into a bluegrass jam. I did not expect that at all. Right. Well, that's and what the weekend was going to be a melding of the, <laughs> the Billy world and the, uh, <clears throat> Tolkien. World. Was it kind of like a bluegrass jam? Like this is the way the hobbits play kind of thing. They're happy go lucky folk. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, do you think that's what he was going for? That kind of, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Okay, cool. Happy Shire, nothing's happened yet. Everyone's right living their life, doing their thing. Right. So, like, what, nineteen ninety five, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. in, our, in our world, <laughs> pre twenty twenty, right? Twenty twenty one, pre yeah, pre two thousand one. And then they uh, they play that old Dillard's tune that so many people have covered, but man, they did a wonderful version. What have they done to your home place? Why did they tear it down? And why did I leave a plow in the field and look for a job in town? And that had a big jam in it, too, I gotta say. And that's when we were introduced, I believe, to An Fung. Was she, was she already out? I guess she came out at the beginning, but An Fung from a Boston band called Twisted Pine. Wonderful flautist who became increasingly significant and huge as the run went along, correct? Yeah, I had never seen her before. That was, she was really good. And then uh, that took, you know, the home theme went into, he has a wonderful song and it was, did a great version of the title track of his uh, home record. But then the happy birthday to you, what was the significance of that? Yeah, I read that. I was wondering if somebody's birthday or... Bilbo's birthday. Frodo's, oh, Frodo's adopted that's right. uncle. That's well, not, right. Yeah, was, his uncle. Yeah, with that, like in the movie, what, didn't they have a party for him and then that was the day where he gave him the ring? Yep. That's where he, well, he left it for him. Left it for him, right. So... Yep. Okay, so that's significant. Cool. I see. I see. Yeah, what is there? Although, wild, wild horses on there? The Rolling Stones? Is that right? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll okay. To we're, that. Okay. I'm going ahead of him. Sorry about that. Slow down, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was an instrumental that I believe is an, an, an original. The the flaming um, flaming red hair, which was the one song I remember when the set ended. That was one song the hardcores did not have a title for. Um, correct. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That that one kind of stumped me a little bit. Although I think. It may be a reference to Sam's, the, the Hobbit that Sam's in love with. Okay. Oh. And I, I, McGee, it's something. Right. Her, her, her name, name is now, uh, but, but yeah. she has, if I remember correctly, she has flaming red hair. That's right. And she's who he's, he, through the rest of the movies, she's who he talks about getting back to. Right. It was kind of like uh, the catalyst for him to keep going. And then Secrets. Uh... Rosie. Her name's Rosie. Rosie. Okay. Flaming red hair. Right. And Secrets, co-written with the great John Weisberger, uh, was next. Which, by the way, that song in Knoxville really got a hold of me. I had a powerful experience during Secrets at Knoxville last February. But I don't want to sidetrack things. What was the significant? I was, expe- <laughs> I was expecting Royal. There's a the, one of the famous lines from the movie is Gandalf uh, talking to Frodo about having the ring now, and he says, "Keep it secret, keep it safe." And I expected Royal to throw that out there, but he didn't. And then the roads go ever on. The road goes ever on that. It, it took me a minute to figure out what they were doing there. There, the, there's a song in the in the Lord of the Rings that doesn't get the movies don't cover it, but the lyrics are written out. I'm pretty sure the lyrics are by Tolkien. And the road goes ever on and on out the door where it began. Uh, it's a night. It's a full song, and no one I've ever heard has written music to it. If you had, if you pointed it in the out in the book and said. Is, and asked me if there was music to this, I would have laughed because just on reading it, it 
doesn't seem like an easy thing to write music to because it's it doesn't rhyme it's not it's in a very odd meter uh, i would have said there's no way and of course billy figured out a way and wrote a, an awesome song to it and it just floored me right off the bat i'm getting the distinct sense that the young billy strings uh likes a challenge i i, I would think so it sure seems that way so then my well, quick little personal thing Kim, my girlfriend kimberly and i were were uh between songs here uh, sitting quietly, and the woman behind us was talking rather loudly to her friend, but she was explaining the whole thing and explaining the Away From the Shire thing, and then, boom, he played Away From the Mire. It was kind of kind of cosmic, man. And, oh, my gosh, knew, what a version. We knew that'd be in there early. I know, but the exact moment? Uh, it's one of those things, man. <laughs> with a huge, huge improv in it. I loved it. I was uh, fixated. But then the Bill Monroe tune, Traveling This Lonesome Road. So we're, we're leaving home, I guess. Leaving home, lots of, lots of, lots of leaving, lots of home stuff. Yeah, leaving home, don't know what's going to happen. And now I'm looking. Oh, go ahead. They find out they're being chased by the ring rates, so then you get hide and seek. Right, and then <clears throat> you kindly gave me this um, live for live music piece, which I had read earlier, but I hadn't looked at the set list closely. Their set list has in the middle of hide and seek, which was an even longer jam than away from the mire, I think. These two things, uh, the, the Council of Elrond and the Ringo South. I thought that was improv, but apparently that was... I was going to ask you if Billy ever did compose jams, because I know other bands sometimes do compose jams. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm going to ask Chris, does Billy ever do compose jams? And perhaps that's what he was doing here. The, the Council of Elrond and the Ringo South in the middle of Hide and Seek. Those are from the films. There are more jams on the actual soundtrack music. Hmm. Damn. God, I love that. I... I, I I don't know how much, I, I just can't imagine them all sitting around fast forwarding through the movie for the tunes <laughs> or when it, they can't, you know, what, what order they came in and how to. Is it possible to, that this whole thing is, is the closest thing to a bluegrass opera that we've ever had? Ah, oh, good question. That's a really good question. And is it something yeah. 20 years from now he could recreate, you know? Bluegrass musical. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Gollum, which I even know about this character, freaky character who, I don't know, had the ring, then he doesn't have the ring, and then he comes and he's, he's an enemy, and then he's a friend, right? And um, he's being played, portrayed by this uh, Rashad Eggleston. Can you explain who he is? Rashad Eggleston. I had heard about him as Tornado Rider right. prior, to, prior to this, and I, I, I never made it to, to uh, MAGFest at Spirit of Swanee in Florida. But a lot of a lot of people we know been there many 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 times. Oh, my friend Owen, very familiar. You know Owen Murphy. He would get up. He would make a point of getting up there, even if they were playing at noon. He would get up there and be right up front, and then uh, come back to camp all charged up. That's what I was told. <laughs> but his songs are they're they're eclectic. That's one way to put it. So he came out and and did sort of it seemed partly improvised cello. And uh, he actually worked at Kazoo, and that's a quick way to Carl Engelman's heart. <laughs> yeah, then that's, then that's more of his norm. Yeah, that, that Kazoo is always on the top of his, of his cello. Oh, yeah, I got to meet this guy. Yeah, he's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And he was a perfect golem, just, just body type and, and just the way he normally kind of, the way he wears his cello and I'll uh, oddly with a, with a guitar strap and kind of crouches with his legs spread while he's playing it. Oh, he has a guitar strap on the cello? Well, I got to see, yeah. picture. see pictures of that shit. Well, yeah, because he's wiggling around. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He doesn't want to oh, lose wow. it. Yeah, but he still kind of plays it between his legs, uh -huh. but not 
you know, so he's standing up, but he's squatting. So just like Gollum. Oh, I mean, wow. That he is looks really like that normally when he's playing. Huh. I mean, I just looked at him and been like, oh, you're Gollum. You got to be Gollum. Yep. <laughs> Had to be. He was perfect. Wow. He was perfect. And then Midnight Rider and Wild Horses. Can you explain the, the two, the, the uh, significance of these two? I'm not, not really sure why they threw the horse, why they threw horse songs in at that point. Although. Could that be the Marshal? What's his name? The Marshal guy? Aragorn? Yeah, Aragorn. Well, see, nobody, nobody's riding horses yet. They they stop at Bree, and then they leave, but they walk. Hmm. They walk from there to Rivendell. They're not riding horses, although the Ringwraiths are riding horses, and Gandalf is on a horse, but he's not He's not mentioned until later on. So you're, hmm. you know, the, the nine, well, they're not nine yet. The Aragorn and the four hobbits are walking across... Uh, across the land to try to get to Rivendell, so the so yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure where the uh, where the Midnight Rider Wild Horses came in. Well, those are two songs when I go to concerts. I'm generally not dying to hear covers of, but uh, <laughs> no kidding, he delivered them very very right. well. I got to say that no. I, I'm much more inclined. Well, okay. I take that back. So I'm I'm mostly thinking about thinking about the titles and not the lyrics. Midnight Rider, I got to run to keep from hiding. Yeah, yeah. Bound to keep on riding. I mean, the whole thing is about, you know, keep going. Wild horses couldn't not drag me keep, away. Keep, keep going, and they're not going to catch me. They're mm. not going to catch me. Wild that, horses. That's what that was all about. Wild horses can't drag me away. That kind of thing. Wild horses couldn't drag me away. Mm-hmm. And then next is what? Heartbeat of America. Is that this, it, it, is this the Chevy commercial or no, what is this? <laughs> it's one of my favorite compositions, Billy compositions. It's a multi-sectioned and that works really well. It kind of reminds me of Draconian uh, because it has a long instrumental portion before oh, so, you even so get So this first. is a Billy song. He oh, has. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I'm yeah. a, I'm a total newbie. You're going to have to uh, for, uh, forgive me, Chris, because I'm. A, I look at these and I'm thinking, Pete, you know, Bob Seger? What, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, what was the significance of Heartbeat? Ugh. And this one was tough too. I think the significance of this, I, the only thing it could be, as far as I know, is the hobbits and Aragorn get caught up on Weathertop, up on a tower. Imagine that. Uh, and Frodo puts on the ring, and when he puts the ring on, everything goes freaky, right? Oh, right. He's, he can he can see into another reality, basically, and all this stuff. And there's there's some lines in the Heartbeat of America about. Um, Doing some things while walking alone mm-hmm. through was it Nash was it Nashville or one of the cities where Billy was at the time, and uh, I think he's he's sort of <laughs> I think it's, the lyrics are about what he's seeing while he's walking around in a certain state of mind. Uh, <laughs> I think he's equating equating Frodo's Frodo's vision when he puts the ring on with that. Your certain state of mind, like with a little fire in his tongue or something. Yeah, it's about some little piece of paper on his tongue. And then Watchtower, which as a Dylan guy, a lot of bands have covered Watchtower, and it's not so interesting. I got to say, the second jam leading up to the, to the, the third verse was just powerful and resolved beautifully right into the verse. And then later, the outro was kind of vetery. So kind of <clears throat> kind of reminded me how Eddie uh, handles uh, on Watchtower, but... Is the third verse the main thing all along the Watchtower? The princess kept the view. Women came and went. Barefoot children, too. Outside of the distance. Wildcat to growl. Two riders were approaching. Well, they, they, they climb up uh, 
they climb up the tower um, uh-huh. to spend the night, and that's when they get attacked by the ring race. Bastards. So that's that's where that that's where that came in. Okay. Should have seen that one coming. And poor Ellen Smith. That I oh they changed they changed the lyrics. Which you did um, to a lot of songs poor, over the weekend, right? Or Frodo Baggins. So because Frodo gets stabbed when they get attacked. Mm-hmm. So poor right. Frodo. Whispers of the North. Gordon Lightfoot song. Mm-hmm. My favorite Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> no, wrong song, right guy. Okay, what was the significance of the Whispers of the North? I'm sure the lyrics. I'm not sure the lyrics of Whispers of the North. I'm not real familiar with that one. But the well, you know what? Go Aragorns. on, go on to Love and Regret. And while you tell us right. that, I'm going to pull up the lyrics of Whispers. Love and Regret. Is there a love and regret kind of situation going on in here? Well, in the film, Aragorn's girlfriend takes. Frodo and and he rides with her to to Rivendell. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's referencing that. All right, there will could be. You ready for this? Whispers of the North. Soon I will go forth to that wild and barren land where nature takes its course. Whispers of the wind. Soon I will be there again, bound with a wild and restless drive that pulls me from within. And we can ride away. We can glide all day. And we can fly away. Whispers of the North, soon I will return again to those endless afternoons in sunshine and in rain. Whispers of my love, days and weeks on end. I will share my thoughts of her in prayers that I will send. And we can ride away, we can glide all day, and we can fly away. Whispers of the North, the river and the shore. In the land that tested Eskimos 10,000 years before, whispers of my heart. In the tracks of animals, I will leave my footprints there. To lie beneath the snow. What kind of vibe you get off that? Well, it's all about it's all about the north. That's kind of where they are, and that's where Aragorn's been. While all this is leading up to him being king eventually. Okay, high on a, on a mountain, which I believe I've seen Del McCory do. I know I've seen that old Further Band. That was one of my favorite covers when they would do it. Uh, if I can slip my deadheadness, my post Garcia deadheadness in there. Um. I imagine that has to do with where they ended up. High on a mountain. Um, where? Oh, yeah. So we're leaving. Living, we're leaving Rivendell. Crossing. They tried to cross the mountain. I think it's called Caradras to try to get to to keep from having to go in Moria in the mines. And they get up to the top, and the big snowstorm happens and blizzard kind of thing, and they have to turn around and go back down. And so that's the high on a mountain. Gotcha. And then the original instrumental, Ice Bridges, which was inspired by Road Sign, but I have a feeling Road Signs have nothing to do with how, why it's here. Right. I think it's the same thing. Right. It's the, it's the being in the blizzard and having to turn around and go back down the mountain. Dark as a Dungeon, a song I've seen Bromberg and Dylan do. Um, actually, I, I love Billy, and he's amazingly consistent, but this uh, his vocal was a little tentative on this one. Extremely rare for him, but they've learned all these songs. You can't hold it against them, but... Um, I feel like things are changing here with the dark as a dungeon. Am I correct? Yep. yep. They're heading into the mines of Moria, going underground to go under the mountains instead of over them. Is that the Johnny Cash song? That's next. Oh, okay. Because I think Johnny Cash did that song before. He might. Oh, yeah. I think it was on... Um, the one with Hurt? No, it was the live album. It was either uh, from one of the prisons. I don't know which one it was, but one of those releases he did, okay. um, Dark as a Dungeon... On oh, could have done both of them. I'm not really. 
I'm not hundo on that, but um, one time Dylan did it when I was up front and you know kind of spooked me out. But uh, uh, and then Dark Ring of Fire has to do with I guess when they're falling or something. Someone was explaining the ring. Yeah, Ring of Fire has to do with Gandalf fighting the Balrog and falling into the falling into the crevasse basically in Moria. And folks, when you listen, when you and you should go back and listen to this. I love how they handled the trumpet part. I'll say no more. Uh, in the Pines, in the Pines, one that's been covered from everyone, from Nirvana to the Grateful Dead. Actually, I think the Nirvana, what they call it, uh, Where Do You Sleep Last Night? I think that's maybe the greatest version of it. Where the sun never shines and yeah. we shiver when oh, yeah, that's the right. Royal uh, winds blow. Royal Yell did the You Shall Not Pass right. thing right after Ring of Fire, during Ring of Fire. Royal Massat, bassist. and. Yep. The stud of the band, so I've been told. I see you, Royal. Dressed, dressed as Gandalf the Grey. Uh huh. And then in the pine, when they, when they finally make it out of Moria, they go down into the forest, come out of the from under the mountains, and go into the trees. Gotcha. Where the in the pines comes from. Very cool. And then meet me at the creek, which I think was his first big original jam vehicle. Billy's, I mean, the original, with breaking of the fellowship in the middle. What What's the deal on? What's the call on breaking of the fellowship? How, why does yeah. it appear here? So they're getting to the end of the first movie. That's what happens. They go through Lothlorien, where they meet the elves. The elves kind of rescue them from the... They're being chased out of Moria, out of the mines by orcs. Run into the forest where the elves live uh, in Lothlorien and get saved by Gladriel, basically. And then they give them boats to get on the river, make it easier for them to travel farther south. Frodo and Sam decide they don't need to... The, the ring's too big of a... It's causing too many problems. There's no way anyone can resist it. So they have to get away. Otherwise, the whole group of them will will try to take it eventually because no one can resist it. So Frodo and Sam take a boat and run off. Gotcha. And so they're, they're doing that next to the river. So the Meet Me at the Creek works for that. And the breaking of the fellowship is soundtrack music. And then the encore, which had personal significance to me, completely separate from all this, but um, Will the Circle Be Unbroken does definitely tie into the theme. And you can explain that pretty easily, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you know, the group's breaking up, and then you got the circle, which is the ring, basically. So then, we go on to the second night. Foundation, they come out with this Foundations of Stone right at the beginning. And by the way, were you, just real quick, looking back on the first night, were, you, was there, uh, were there things that surprised you, and what do you feel impressed you the most? The f- first night? Yeah. Mm. I, that initial That initial tune where they took, the soundtrack music and turned it into a jam vehicle. I I got chilled. I got chills right off the bat when I realized that's where they were going with this whole thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, it, everything else after that was just icing. I got my money's worth right there. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Second night starts with Foundations of Stone. First time played, although it doesn't. It, this is again. Is he uh, working with the theme music from the movie? Um. Yes. I think. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's from Moria. I think that's the tune from Moria, Foundations of Stone, where the where the where the dwarves lived. Gotcha. And now I'm going to bring up uh, John Weisberger again because I believe he co-wrote Watch It Fall with Billy. Am I correct? I apologize if I'm not, but I'm a big John Weisberger fan, so I'm always trying to s- squeeze him in. What are they watching Fall, Chris? What are they watching Fall? That's a good question. Um, Frodo and Sam go in. Go heading for Mordor, so they they have to climb over a, a real sharp-edged, craggy, mountain mountainous area to get there. And I'm, I'm 
I think at one point, I think Gollum falls, if I'm not mistaken, fall. He's. Or is it Gondolf the Grey? Gondolf the Grey? No, Ga- Gollum. No, Gollum. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Gollum Rashad. Is that the part where he, he leads him into the um, the spider's lair, or is that a little later? It's later. Okay. Yeah. This somebody goes, plunges to their death, and then he long forgotten dream comes. Long forgotten dream. Again, I'd have to look at the lyrics for that one. Which they threw threw down. Hey, you want? I love reading lyrics. You want me to read lyrics? I'll read lyrics. Right. <coughs> I, I'd love to do a podcast where I just do. I've offered myself as an opening act doing dramatic reading of Bob Dylan lyrics, and <laughs> almost got taken up on it once. I love this song, man. Will you listen to the wind of the whispering? Will you feel the wind? Oh God, this was a, it was a stellar version too. Damn you, Billy Strings. I know. Getting hooked on another <laughs> fucking music. Act. Jesus. Got enough of that. Because <laughs> Frodo and Sam and Gollum go off towards Mordor. Uh, Boromir dies. And he's, the, he's, one of the, he's one of the nine of the group that didn't have a character. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Boromir, Merry, and Pippin are the three main characters that didn't show up in the, in the three nights. Can you see the empty chambers of your head begin to spin, leaving nothing but a cavity for all the living skin? Would you settle for the empty space within or just kick and scream for something else to carry your thoughts in? One foot before Sounds... the other, let's begin. It may just be the ring slowly taking over Frodo. Gotcha. It's starting to starting to get take hold of him and he's starting to mm-hmm. starting to have little episodes of right. anger and meanness and all that good stuff. Right. And then where where are we running? Running into running, running, the running the route. That's where Gimli the Dwarf and Legolas the Elf and Aragorn, who's the king of, of Gondor, but I'm not sure anyone know, knows it yet. Right. Uh, they are so Merry and Pippin get captured by orcs, and the three, the, the Elf, the Dwarf, and the Man go running after the orcs to try to save them, and they run, they run for a number of chapters. <laughs> They just run and run and run and run and run for quite a while. So that was that was very apropos. Sounds, Sounds exhausting. <laughs> and this old world, a song I always thought was about finding humility and <clears throat> instead of being uh, put down by it, uh, let, allowing it to lift you and better yourself. But how does that fit in with this story? This could. So this is where they kind of they're going into the tree songs, and so it may have to do with Fangorn Forest, and it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, forest in Middle Earth. So it's probably referring to that. And then we get, it gets real interesting in here. First with the home from the forest and John Stickley, he, we tried to get him on the podcast since he's elusive. He's, he found him in person, was given an email address that didn't work, but eventually maybe season two, we'll have him on. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of John Stickley and Lindsay Pruitt and the John Stickley trio. And uh, he comes out as Bilbo Baggins, correct? And shreds. Yep. Frodo's uncle. The original from the from the Hobbit book. The Got- Hobbit is about Bilbo. Gotcha. Awesome. So Gordon Lightfoot again. Yep, Gordon Lightfoot again. What's going on with that? Uh-huh. Maybe he's a fan. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. So they've got Home from the Forest, which it's not really a home. They're entering the forest, but it's a forest tomb. Then, so in the movie and the book, the chapters start bouncing back and forth between Frodo and Sam and Gollum and everybody else. Uh-huh. So you get a little bit of this and then a little bit of that and then a little bit of this. And so they do that with the music here. They've got Home from the Forest, which is which is them, which is Aragorn, Gimli and Legolas trying to save Merry and Pippin from the orcs and then going into Fangorn Forest. Then Black Mountain Rag, which Black Mountain, I'm assuming, is talking about uh, Mordor and the, the, 
volcano. Actually, if I may say, there's also a Black yeah. Mountain not far from where he was playing, an actual real-life Black Mountain. <laughs> exactly. They used to have great music festivals. They and heard your Black Mountain, and that came up. <laughs> <laughs> mountain. And then not he didn't just do In My Tree for the first time. He completely rearranged it. I've already sent it to a couple Pearl Jam friends of mine, and they, they were most impressed. It was nice. Uh, oh at that point, I was side. See, the, this night I was roaming a lot because the seat situation was unclear to me. And I felt like I was doing our crew a, a solid because I'm pretty good at roaming. And I was like, why not roam one night? And I ended up way side stage for this. I actually ran into a, a friend of mine and her, and her boyfriend during it. And wow, it was cool. I'm watching the lights go up over the crowd. I've got some video of that I'll show you, Carl. Um, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, if any of you can't tell. Yeah, you talk about them a lot. I, I bet we'll get Eddie Vedder on the show before we get Eddie <laughs> Strings. That would be cool. He's got more uh, loose management. But anyway... Um, what 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 is your significance of in my tree? In my tree, they're they're in Fangorn Forest, and they meet the Ents for the first time. They meet uh, Treebeard, and he picks them up and carries them. So they're Mary and Pippin are being carried around on Treebeard's shoulders, basically. But he's a, a sentient tree. And then down in the swamp, and on and down ret- in the swamp, on returns. Who's wonderful? I hope she finds new fans. I tweeted uh, out a great article on her from a flute magazine. And uh, folks, if you're a Billy Strings fan, check her out. Check out her band. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about this. You know, if you're, young, if you're a young person out there listening to Billy Strings and just finding this stuff, when I was young, I found the Grateful Dead, and I followed the paths of the music they were playing and f- just found a whole world of music that still f- feeds my life today. So if you're a young person, look into these people Billy's covering. Look into whether it's stuff from here or whether it's Tony Rice or whether it's Ralph Stanley, Earl Scruggs, Flatten Scruggs, whatever. Follow the paths, people. They'll take you wonderful places. But go ahead, Chris. Tell us about uh, Down in the Swamp. Down in the Swamp. Well, we're back with Frodo and Sam and Gollum again. When they climb down out, off of the craggy mountains and they make it down to the flatlands, it becomes swampy. It's the it's the uh, uh, dead marshes is what it's called. And it's just a giant swamp between them and Mordor. Uh-huh. So they're down in the swamp having to crawl through them. I, I wondered if they wouldn't do uh, down in the mire, uh, would do the mire song <laughs> for the swamp, but they did it at the first show, right? When they were when they were leaving. Um, so had they not done it then, they would have done it now. You're saying they would have done it here, right? But down in the swamp worked better. Sure, but away from the mire and to show me the door back and away from mire might have been cool. Yeah. Anyway, show me the door next, which is <laughs> one of those songs, Carl, where you're like. How did someone, he wrote it when he's like 20s, early 20s? Well, that's the first mystery song. Right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that later. Right, but well played. How does someone that young write a song with the kind of, that kind of wisdom? It's just unbelievable to me. But it, the lyrics were twisted on this version to show me Modor. Oh. Ah. Ah. Show he's me Modor. <laughs> Hook him up with Kesey. He's a prankster. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out how to get into Mordor. They mm-hmm. go to the entrance first, the, where the where there's giant gates and towers and everything, and they realize there's no way we're going to get in there. There's so only one way. Got to figure out a different. Got to figure out a different way in. And Rashad Rashad told us there. how to get in, right? In yes, in the movies. And and that's where the you must come in at the door comes. Well, from. well Gollum did in the movie, and then Rashad did in this. Or Gollum shows them how to actually. He knew a secret way to get in. Oh, well, this is where he sets up the trap. And, and in, then, the, in the books, the. In the books, the whole trap that this whole part is in book two, 
but in the movies they moved it to the third movie. Okay, all right. So they wanted to make it, you know, exciting and put the the spider in there and everything else. Intensify. <laughs> Whose song is you you uh, you must come in at the door? Is that is that Rashad Eggleston's song? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. I I was wondering if it wasn't more uh, more soundtrack. Okay, but but I'm not sure. And then he ends the first set with with um, one of the most consistently amazing Billy Strings covers, Tennessee Stud. Does that fit the story? Or was just like uh, you know, I, I crushed this song. I'm, I'm going to end with this. No, Gandalf comes back. Okay, being killed after being killed in Moria by the Balrog, the the gods send him back to finish his finish his job, and he comes back as Gandalf the White, and as the White Rider, he gets the best horse in Middle Earth as well, uh, and that's the Tennessee Stud. I'm assuming. Okay, feast here tonight to open the second set. Is that also from the movie? I'm wondering if that has to do with eating with the ants when Mary and, Mary and Pippin are with the ants, the tree, the tree beings. And I think it, as far as the timeline goes, I think that's what this is referencing because they spend the night with the, with the ants. And then I was told I peed on a bird was a Rashad original. And I got to give a shout out to Lauren, the, uh, my, fr- <laughs> my friend Harris's wife. Oh my God. She went nuts during this song. I happened to be with them at this point in the show and she was hilarious and awesome. I mean, she's always awesome, but also hilarious at this point. She loves she loves that song. <laughs> hilarious song. I have a dog named Birdie, though. If anyone pees, tries to pee on her, it won't go well. But um, I peed on a bird. What 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 who? What's going on here? And what an odd. I, I, I th- yeah, the only thing I can come up with is that Rashad has a lot of songs like this. There's a lot of odd. He has a lot of odd tunes, and either Billy knew it or he. Asked him, "Hey, you know, we got to. We need to do a Gollum song here somewhere. What's a What's a good song of yours that would fit this and it, it fit perfectly?" <laughs> and it was great. And I love these Live for Live music uh, reviews that you uh, directed me toward. But I got to say, I, I'd see I'd see the song more as playful than sophomore. Sophomore was a little strong of a word. Um, and then Knights in White Satin. Oh my God! Well, that's got to be Gandalf coming as, back as Gandalf. Yeah, that's right, Gandalf. You know? Yeah, and, and oh, that was and captivating. Oh my goodness! Royal came back out in all white, and his his base was silver. They painted it. Oh, nice. I guess they painted it silver. Got got a silver base from somewhere. So, yeah, they probably got it from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. And all smoke and appeared. Yeah, he wasn't out there for the start. The first two songs of set two. Mm-hmm. And his theme of Ronan. That's also, you know, from the soundtrack. Which, by the way, what's the name of the second book again? Flaking. It should be Rohan, not Ronan. Ooh, excuse me. R O H A N. But anyway, but yeah, it just says R O N A N. There's a lot of songs. You can't you can't fault them for having a one letter typo. Yeah. Explain explain that one. Just just basically setting the tone for the next. Sort of a bridge. The theme of Rohan, yeah, they yeah they they did a good job in the films of of having a, a theme per area, you know, that they were in. That really goes it really goes with the with what's going on at the time. And Rohan is the they're the horse lords, so they they're the the people that raise the best horses. And what was the significance of having uh, Billy Failing, the banjo player, his character sing so many miles? Oh, he's Aragorn. He's he's the he's the he, he ends up. He will. He is the king of Gondor, but uh, he hasn't come into his 
to his kingdom yet, and his entire life has been spent leading up to this point. So it's just how many how many miles he's walked and all the things he's done to try to get to this point. Uh, there's just there's so much backstory. It's not even funny. And then uh, the going fishing widespread panic song that he busted out up in Martha's Vineyard. That panic doesn't really even play anymore. Maybe they'll start playing it now. Um, how does that fit in? And by the way, um, yeah, Rushad's out on this one too. We had we had dueling bases on this. And by the way, a shout out right. to Fitzy, the enigmatic Fitzy. You know who you are. Uh, watching you dance and and respond to this was uh, one of the highlights of my weekend. Uh, other than the music, oh my goodness, he was so happy. Uh, watching Fitzy dance is always an experience. Oh, he's something. He's old school. I, I I'd probably boogied with him at many dead shows, and we don't even remember. Didn't even know it. Yep. I almost guarantee it. Uh, So there's a section where Gollum is fishing and he's splashing around and it it could be, there's a couple of times where he's fishing and and that's what this is referencing. The the hobbits don't necessarily fish, but Gollum is all about raw fish. Mm -hmm. And there, there is a time. Now are we back to the soundtrack now before we go into the John Hartford song that I swear they teased right, even right at the very beginning of the run. I swear the song had been teased leading up to this. But anyway, there is a time uh, with the flute. Do you remember mm-hmm. what that's from? I'm not sure about there is a time. I felt like that flowed into All Fall Down. Did it not? Is it? Mm, no, I think it ended. Okay. I think he started, I think he started All Fall Down. Because, yeah, because I'm pretty sure you had to, <laughs> pretty sure you had to towel off a little bit before All Fall Down. And the look on his, one thing about Billy Strings, he's so confident. Mm-hmm. There's no you. You can see it on his face. There's no. There's no hesitation about what he's going to do. Right. And and the look on his face right before he started strumming "All Fall Down" was that I could just see it in his eyes. Like, here we go. This is we're going to now. We're going to do it. It absolutely blew <laughs> you, up with you, the you flute can, and you, the cello. You can just see it. It's like here we go. They're going to they're going to love this. And uh, I hope I don't get anyone in trouble. But at this point, I'm in a uh, in a aisle like the old dead days where the spinners would be i was i wasn't spinning but i was in an aisle dancing with random people including an usher a very very cool uh usher who uh, you know let her hair down for a little bit after they were telling people to clear out clear out and then i don't know during all fall down they just kind of let it go <laughs> and kind of boogie kinda, with us <laughs> it was a beautiful moment and then you know once it ended everything went back to normal but anyway um uh, how does that fit in other than being consistently one of Billy's strongest covers? And uh, just love, that's another artist that if you're a young person, you need to look into John Hartford. And um, I'll give a shout out to T-Dog. His last, John Hartford's last Atlanta performances were thanks to T-Dog. Those are the last times I got to see him. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for Thomas T-Dog Helen, the master of the Holiday Hootenanny, for getting John Hartford to Atlanta those last, uh, I think it was two times, but three shows. But go ahead. I digress. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed that one. <clears throat> There are three of them. Those. <laughs> uh, but there's a time just generically about, you know, there's a time for all these things. There's a time to wander. There's a time for this. There's a time for that. I think it was more of just a generic. All these things are going on, and there's a time for each of these things. Mm-hmm. But I'll fall down. When Frodo and Sam and Gollum are crossing the swamp, the ring rates fly over, and they fall on their, they fall on their faces because the, the, the fear that emanates from the ring rates you can't face up to it. And I'm guessing that's what that's referring to. At least that's what it, that's where it rings in my head as far as the, as far as the story goes. Um, uh, it, it could be when they're, it could be when they're climbing the, the stairs to where Shelob is and the, the army erupts from, from the ring castle. And it, 
they and they fall down. Same reason. So it, anytime the ring rates are around, people fall down. And that was when uh, he was singing. Instead of the whirly pigs, he was saying the Uruk High are coming. Uruk High are coming. <laughs> which are the which are the name for a, a faction of the orcs. There's a lot of that going on too. A lot of we haven't talked about Rashad very much and the, all the weird stuff he was doing. Well, and also on the off all down jam, he was throwing down and like kind of spurring little bursts of energy, you know, throughout. Oh yeah, and I've I've heard he's he he's a Juilliard graduate or he went there, and I mean you could tell he obviously he's not played with Billy very often or very much ever. I was told and he was the first kid to or young person to get a full scholarship to Berkeley. To Berkeley, maybe it's Berkeley. Full scholarship, not Juilliard. I mean, yeah. Brantford didn't even get that. But I mean, you could just tell he 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 could just throw down with the best of them. Bonaparte's. I've never heard him play. I've only heard him play his own stuff, which is odd and and, and very eclectic. I've never heard him jam with somebody before. And wow, did he just fit right in? Well, you know, let's build on that theme. He, it, they were giving little teases. They were popping up on Instagram, jamming out together, right, leading up to this show. Yep. Yep. Should have known right then. That's what was going on. Should have been obvious. So you think Billy was kind of walking them through jam styles and stuff like that? Improv? I'm sure. I'm sure. Not just. But I doubt it. To, I mean, I doubt it. I doubt they had to work on very much. They were probably more having fun than anything else. <laughs> okay. And they're bo- both that. They're both that good. And Bonaparte's and retreat. Uh, Bonaparte. I think that was an instrumental. Or Bonaparte's retreat is a standard uh, old timey tune. Okay. Yeah. Is it to have to do with Napoleon or? Yes. Okay. I think it has to do with. Um, Napoleon uh, losing um, New Orleans. Because I vaguely remember it because it, it's bookended by, you know, two of the most powerful moments of the whole weekend, mm-hmm. <clears throat> musically. Um, any comments on Bonaparte's retreat, Chris? I'm not sure about, because the... Is there somebody really the, short, you know, with a, with a s- sort of complex? <laughs> Hobbits, man? <laughs> Gimli, the dwarf, I, I, no, I, 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 retreating. The... the, the there's a big battle in Rohan at Helm's Deep, and the the people of Rohan had to retreat to Helm's Deep to hide. That has to be what this is about. Oh, yeah. That makes uh, sense. To, to hide from the orcs that are going to attack them. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and then that, of course, is followed by Wargasm, so there mm-hmm. you go. I'm looking this attacked. up. The initial release of Wargasm was a collaboration between Billy and... Um, do you remember? I don't know why you're pulling that up. That reminded me of another thing, Rashad. Another movie thing that's not part of the music. In the first show, when Gollum is follow, when Gollum first shows up in the movies, or when he first shows up in the in line with the story, they're going through Moria. They're going through the mines, and Gollum is behind them, shadowing them. He doesn't know that they know he's there, but they know he's there, and they're just letting him follow them. But he stays in the shadows the whole time. And that whole first show, whenever Rashad would come out and play with him, he stayed over in the side of the stage in the dark, out of the main stage lights. Oh. And it took me a while to figure out that that's the kind of that's the kind of crazy, you know, homage to the story that they they, they did a lot of things like that. That you, if you didn't know the story, I'm sure a lot of people were saying, "Why is he staying over there on the side <laughs> of the stage in the dark the whole show? He's not even <laughs> coming out." That's why fit the movie fit the story yeah you do get the sense that this is billy um you know looking at where he has it where he's at in his career and saying okay now's the time to do this my real passion project i'm at the level where it could be done right and not uh, one of go ahead 
one of the things that that Frodo has is a he has Bilbo gave him an elven mail shirt, hmm. ring mail made hmm. out of mithril that he wears under his clothes so that no one knows he has it on in case he gets into a fight. And I was wondering if they were going to go there. And then the first show, he's all dressed. You know, they're just leaving in the first show. They're just starting the journey so he's all his clothes are all nice and he's got his shirt buttoned up to the top button and his collar just so and everything in the second show he unbuttoned the top two buttons of his shirt and you can see he's got on a he's got on a shirt underneath that's shiny silver i don't know if someone made it for him i don't know if it was a t-shirt with print i don't know but you could see the his undershirt was that mail was that chain mail shirt hmm. just another touch that they didn't have to do little touches like that that no one would would know what it was if you didn't know the story but those who do appreciate it probably on a large oh. large level yeah they're everywhere and then wargasm another one co-written with uh with my boy john weisberger just a brilliant songwriter has been for 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 many years used to live in ohio moved to nashville he's written songs for all kinds of people including the infamous string dusters or written songs with whatever the case may be anyway rmr uh was on the original signal. It's, it's an anti-war song, Carl, so you would like it. Indeed. <laughs> How does that fit into the plot and then lead into Big River? War, uh, wargasms, the, the orcs attacking Helm's Deep where, where the Rohirrim are, are hidden or short up there. And Gandalf shows up at first light the next morning and saves them all with a, with a, a, another army of horses who had, he, went, he went and got and brought back. Which is why after galloping through Big River, Billy said... He kind of, I don't know if he was joking, but he said he got a text, someone asking me to, to play this next song. And then I guess about 400 people were claiming it the next day. But <laughs> Right. <clears throat> In the Morning Light, which is one of his, another one of those where it's like, how did someone this young write something like this? But that, so that does, I was in the moment wondering, is he just throwing this in or does it fit? But based on what you just said, I guess it does fit. Yep. Sure enough. He comes up, the sun comes up in the movie as the sun comes up over the hill surrounding the keep literally the sun comes up over it and gandalf is right there where the sun comes up so there's this giant bright white mm. burst as as gandalf rides over the hill and there's a billion horse you know knights behind him charging down the hill at the orcs and then they close with one of his one of his strongest compositions as well about a boat taking water taking water which by the way never happens in a captain mike boat um what was the significance of taking water back to frodo and sam they're they're basically starting to enter the badlands around Mordor and there's no water. They're running out of water. They have to conserve it. That's one of their main issues. It's where they're going to get water. And then everybody returned for the encore free, freeborn man, uh, including that means uh, Tatiana Hargraves. I, I assume she is either a sister or a wife of uh, the name. Tatiana reminds me of uh, Hank Kingsley though, for you, Larry Sanders fans. Just want to throw that out there. But um, is, is she, I guess, you know, as well as I, is she Alex's wife? Sister, daughter, mother, stepmother, aunt, do we know? Alex's, oh, uh, I think it's his sister. Oh, it's his sister, okay. So she's, everybody came out and they did Freeborn Man, and um, is there significance to the plot line of Freeborn? I'm just assuming yeah. there is. Tatiana, I'm pretty sure she's his sister. Okay. Freeborn Man. Good question. Thank you. I think that one's more, ly- more lyric That's what I do. That's what I do. Um, Let's just go to Monday. It is... Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's just more about being free and they're in the Southland. Of course, the first line is about being from the Southland. Okay, they're from the the south of the Shire. Well, and it's about it's about traveling. I know every inch of highway, every foot of back road, 
carry an old tote sack. So that's just more of a generic reference to traveling. And it was a great culmination of the show with all the other instrumentalists oh, coming yeah. out. Per- yeah. Yeah. It's very triumphant. Triumphant. And we move on. What's the third book's name again? Uh, Return of the King. And we open with uh, Smeagol's Metamorphosis. Yeah, they had Rashad do an entire rehash of how, it's just, it's just like in the third movie, uh, rehash of how Gollum found the ring initially and how it, how it turned him into Gollum. His name was Smeagol originally. It still is, I guess. But once he got the ring, it turned him into Gollum. And it, that was what, like a 10-minute, 15-minute segment? It was long. Man, it was captivating. Ooh. <laughs> and people were still filing in, too. Yeah. Seemed like the entry was a little trickier on Monday. I don't know what was going on. Maybe they were searching a little more closely. I'm not sure. Uh, and then we go into Led Zeppelin land and the beginning of the whole new era of Billy Strings. It's, by the way, I'm thinking going into arenas, not saying that Dwayne Trucks is going to play drums with them every show or anything like that. I do think that electric guitar is going to make more of a, an appearance now. And uh, the chair snappers were probably furious. That goes out to you, Keller Williams, uh, to see a drummer on stage. But they did a fantastic version of Ramble On. They really tore it up. And, and I, I, was, I remember thinking, I, I meant to ask you that night and forgot to. I know things got crazy that night. I actually tripped over a statue. I'll tell that story later after the show. And I wasn't wasted. I was driving. I was pretty sober. I was beard blocked. I had a beard. I was a wizard. I had a beard yep. blocking. fell. So, was ugly, but people laughed. So I like, I like when people laugh. <laughs> Even you I'm, made them laugh. That's all that matters. Yeah. Even on the butt <laughs> of the joke, it. we need more laughing in this world. You Feel free. It, yes. Laugh at me. If Ramble you're going to laugh at anyone. When I get laughed at, nobody gets hurt, so laugh at me, please. How does Ramble On fit the, uh, the story? Oh, it's just the whole traveling, walking, going on, going on, and on. keep going, keep going, keep going. In Frodo's the darkest depths of murder, yeah. I'm in a girl so fair. <laughs> yeah. That's all you got to say about that one. Go to the next song. Yeah, yeah we, Led- knew was, we, knew was, we knew it was coming. Right. We knew it was coming. Led Zeppelin's hard to sing. I got in trouble with a comedian, or at least I'm told he's a comedian, uh, on Twitter once for pointing out that Led Zeppelin songs are hard to sing. Are hard to sing? Yeah. Well, they are. I mean, I mean, if you're not Robert Plant, you know. Right. They, I mean, were, hard to, they were hard to sing for Robert Plant. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're just some jam band that caught fire, it doesn't mean you can do something. Well, not only that, uh, Jimmy Page, is he plays very unorthodox. Right. In an or- unorthodox fashion, and it's a lot of people have a hard time trying to, to play like he does. Yes. So. Absolutely. Must be the uh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Something like that. <laughs> and then on to the song that if I were to write a set list for Billy, this song would absolutely be on it. It's called Highway Hypnosis. It's kind of the story of being out on the road and, you know, being hypnotized over the road, but you, you have a purpose for being out there. And it also spawned some of the best improvisation I've seen from this band at the Eastern in Atlanta. Look it up. Oh, my God, was I blown away. But um, and we had we had Dwayne. Which, by the way, God bless you, Dwayne Trucks. I'm not going to say again why, but he uh, he's a big part of one of the greatest moments, greatest days of interviewing in my entire life, and he was part of making it happen. So I will forever be indebted to that awesome, wonderful young man. Um, and Anna came out and sang, uh, excuse me, played flute. We'll get to her singing in just a minute, folks. Don't you worry. Uh, but Highway Hypnosis, how does that fit the storyline? Uh, it's that same, just what you were saying. They're just keeping on, keeping on, keep walking, keep walking. We'll get there. We'll make it perseverance perseverance and then i was dressed as a wizard and i was hanging with a friend who it was only his second billy string show and he's a huge black sabbath fan and they not only played the wizard 
But they absolutely crushed it. It was fantastic. And um, as far as how it fits in the plot line, I'll leave, it, leave that to you. But I would say, folks, if you're just going to jump in on this run and check out a thing here and there, you listen to this version of The Wizard. It is, it is something else. <clears throat> Go ahead. How does it fit the plot line, Chris? Well, if at this point, Gondor is being attacked where everyone else is, is shored up waiting for Sauron, the big baddie, to attack the main city to try to wipe everyone out. Gandalf plays a big part. He's, he's basically taken over. The, the leader of the city has broken down and can't deal with, can't, can't deal with things. The steward. So he just gives, the steward. He, he, yeah, steward of Gondor. He just gives up. Yeah. That guy was a fucking and, asshole in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even I know that. And, uh, yeah, he gives up and Gandalf takes over. And so he's in charge. Gandalf's in charge now, which is which is the whole point of him being in Middle Earth in the first place is to try to help men defeat Sauron. And that's why we're ready for the times to get better. The at once both hopeful and mournful song. Yep. So fire, which again a little sloppy in the composed section early on, but wow, it ended really well. And again, I'm not. I mean, they learned a lot of new songs. I'm just saying. I'm not saying bad. I had bad a time. But is this just as is a this, matter of comparison? Is this like Jimi Hendrix fire? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Let me stand next to your friend. And, yeah, and, it's, it's a little stumbles it, during it, but oh, the end. Oh. At this point, Billy was going back and forth. Every song was electric one, then back to the acoustic, and back to the Les Paul. Now, now, the this, this, this night, he, this was the night where he busted out the Les Paul, correct? Right. right. Yep. The other two nights, he didn't play electric? No, but he played a Martin acoustic, right, Chris, which he doesn't normally? No, he plays a Martin all the time. I mean, a new, I, a new Martin. Well, it looks like it had a, a pickup. Okay. Installed in the with the pictures that I was looking at, it had a pickup. But I've not, I've not seen, I've not seen yeah, a lot of pictures yeah. of him. But the, that was the first time I've seen him play the Martin with a with a pickup in it. Right. So, and that might be for um, feedback reasons for sound on. I still want to take Carl to a show, but I, I yeah. want him to have good seats, and I, I, that's not so easy these days. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe someday. But go ahead. Athens. Talk about we'll the guitars. Athens. Maybe I. Oh, that's Georgia Theater. Yeah. Come on, man. But if you're not at the front of the tier, then. We can make it happen. Anyway, go uh, ahead. Uh, Sorry. Guitar. At George's Theater would be nice. Do you think that's why? Is it part of the reason that the Les Paul goes out of tune? And is that maybe part of the reason he's like, play the electric, hand the Les Paul off, have him retune it while I'm playing acoustic, give me the Les Paul back, play it, and hand it back he off. If he doesn't normally play electric and he just has one, maybe he didn't have it to back up electric. So, yeah, you might be right on that. Okay. Yeah. That was my thought, too. He was getting retuned between... Every other song. And I'm sorry, what was the significance of fire? What, what, what are we doing at that point? Well, they're heading towards Mount Doom, Mountain of Fire. Right. Kind of like our country. Mount Doom. <laughs> Unless there's a bunch of flamingos, and then it's an like awesome <laughs> doom. Uh, let's see. Where do we go from there? Walk on. Walk on, boy. And Derek's on, boy. still out. I mean, excuse me, Dwayne. Oh, that must happen to him all the time. <laughs> how many how many uh, numbers did he sit in with? With a, a bunch, man. Yeah, cool. It's like yeah, I don't know. Five, six, more like seven or eight. I think. Oh, great. Go so ahead, Chris. That's Sorry. a that's probably a treat for the fans, right? To have from the non chair. Yeah, fans. yeah, yeah. Because it's not not ordinary. So this is not an ordinary uh, Billy Strings concert. I mean, no, the whole concept market. thing is is already out of the ordinary. But this especially is like the internet might have exploded. The, right, the, the right. Billy net. Correct. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Please take over. 
and, and well, walk on ball is just more of the same. Get keep walking, keep getting there. We'll get there eventually. Keep walking for Frodo and Sam. Lamp lighting and time. Lamp lighting time in the valley. What, what I don't. I got to go back and listen to this. I don't remember that at all. That I, I, the only thing I can come up with is just Frodo. He's by this point he's he's not he's not even fully there. He's he's kind of dream half in dream and half you know Sam's having to keep pushing him forward because he's so lost. The ring's got a hold of him so bad he's kind of swooning most of the time. And there's a lyric in there about, and in dreams, I go back to my home. I can see that old lamp in the window. And mm. he spends a lot of time. I don't think I can do it. I wish we were back in the Shire kind of stuff. So the, I'm, I'm guessing that's where it fits in. And then leaders and sorrow on the highway. Leaders seem significant. Oh, and he changed the lyrics on sorrow as a highway too. Sorrow is a highway. So the the force from Gondor is well. There's a big battle right in front of the city, um, and I'm assuming that's where leaders and sorrow is a highway. Um, maybe all time low is for the king of Rohan that gets killed on the battlefield. It's also when we, when we learned that the rumor about John Bell being there was probably not true. Pretty strong rumor that he had arrived with Dwayne, and he actually might have been there. He just didn't perform. I heard Claypool might have been there too, perform. just not didn't perform. Yeah, same deal. We were we were really hoping Claypool would would sit in for farewell to King's nod, since that's what he was touring with. But yeah, he certainly knows it. <laughs> it didn't it didn't happen. Yeah, we, I was a little iffy about Billy covering Rush, but. And All Time Low just blew up, probably the closest uh, to the widespread version he's ever done, and I guess with having widespread's Viagra on drums, that's uh, part of the reason why. Okay, we move on to the second set. Mother's Not Dead, which, uh, not true in my life, but how does that fit the story? Mother's Not Dead. Uh, We're looking at, oh, and he changed the lyric to Frodo's Not Dead. Frodo's Frodo's Not Dead. dead. Yeah, there we go. So that's when he got stung by the by the uh, the spider and he wasn't dead. The spider, yep. Is that I correct? Was expecting a, I was expecting a, a something like Boris the spider or maybe a, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. What would have been funny if they did a if they did an itsy bitsy spider tease in between? Like, Hell nice. yeah, nice. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Quick aside: If you're a fan of Boris the Snyder, uh, Boris the Snyder, Snyder. Boris, Boris the Snyder, Boris. is that a pretzel? That? I don't know. That's for Todd. <laughs> I'm thinking of you, Todd. No, but if you are a fan of that song, Claypool, Lennon, Delirium, that's enough. Um, just look it up. Claypool, Lennon, Delirium, Boris yeah. the Sun. And I think sometimes Les plays it on guitar. That- First time I heard Bur- Boris the Spider was Dr. Demento. Really? Yeah, I used to love Dr. Demento. Wow. It's my thing. Well, Clay- yeah. Claypool got his hands on one of Antwil's uh, bases and plays it on Cool. The- yeah. Very cool. Isn't, isn't there a new documentary coming out? I hope so. I always like that. That's a great about- way to ask a question. What, about what? Um, about Boris, about uh, John. What's an ant whistle? Oh, I'd love to hear that. I'm pretty sure there. I'm pretty sure I read the other day. There's some. There's a documentary coming out about John. Oh, I remember. I snuck up front at Radio City Music Hall for the beginning of the show, and having him played in my face was just one of the most. I've seen a lot of shows, Carl. 
that. Uh, yeah. Having John Entrance <laughs> in my face was just like, oh, my God, this guy. I've never seen someone who doesn't move at all who has fingers that move that fast. <laughs> he stands still as a statue, but his hands, his fingers are just... Not a fan of the Grateful Dead thing, though. I met him once. I asked him about Grateful Dead and, uh, and very quickly wished I hadn't. Okay, so uh, I know it all comes next. <laughs> Dwayne on drums. Dwayne's out here for most of this, the early part of this set. Um, I know it all. No, 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 know it all is one of Billy's. Excuse me. Know it all is one of Billy's. I know that one. <clears throat> so is Hellbender. So is Dealing Despair. So we, do three, we got three Billy songs right here in a row. How do they each fit the, uh, this third book? these three songs how do they fit the third book so, let's see here know it all is about not being able to find something trying to learn from his mistakes ah from changing that's the reason that i'll turn into someone i can trust before i turn back into dust so frodo gives sam the ring when he gets captured right i wonder if that i wonder if that's someone i can trust <clears throat> there you go if they're referencing that maybe referencing that there you go you might be right there and then Let's see, where were we? Then you got Dealing, right? Is it the one, Dealing Despair? Hellbender? Hellbender, yes. And then Dealing Despair. I'll keep on this way till my last dying day. There's a hard place on one side and a rock on the other. No corners to cut in this maze. Yeah, it, it, it's about, it's more of Frodo and Sam's journey. Right. In, in Mordor. The adversity. The Yeah. yeah. Same thing probably with the next one. Dealing Despair, yeah. yeah. Same, same idea. Mm-hmm. Not... not Knowing there's no way you could possibly make it, <clears throat> right? But, what about but what about trying. Soldier's Joy though? That's a that's a classic um, instrumental standard tune, old timey tune. Well, now we're I think now we're back to so the when Sauron attacked Gondor, Gondor won mm-hmm. just barely, mm-hmm. and then they the I, the plan was well Frodo and Sam are in Mordor if they're going to finish their job throwing the ring into Mount Doom, mm-hmm. they need to be able to get through that land with all the orcs and monsters and everything else right? without being caught. How do we help them not get, what can we do out here mm-hmm. to help where them they, not get caught? Where they well, did let's the go, diversion. Yeah. Let's uh, go attack it. Let's go <clears throat> attack them. Right. And that'll draw them all out to kill us. Mm-hmm. And even if they kill us, that'll give them a chance. And then you go into the Battle of Evermore right after that. Which I have to say, I got to jump in here. Even Led Zeppelin cover bands avoid this song. This is a very difficult song to play, and it was probably uh, Ann's shining moment of the weekend. She had many, but this was one of the most amazing covers I've seen in a long time. They absolutely nailed this. They took me to a beautiful place. Um, How does that? (laughs) I'm dying to know how that fits the, uh, the plot line. But I I have a hunch, but I'd rather have our listeners hear you tell us. Oh well, I, I'm gonna pat my own back here and, and say I called this one. I, yes, you did. I will back you up. You absolutely. I did. was I was so wanting as soon as I thought about that mandolin opener. I mm-hmm. said they've got he's got to do this one. And to be honest, I'd forgotten all about the ring race line, the ring race ride in black. And to be honest, I thought you were wrong. I didn't think they'd play it. Because of what I just said, it's such a difficult song that even I would think yeah. even Billy would be like, eh, I don't know. I mean, oh my God, the singing. And, and, and a bunch of them got to rest during that as well. That's a good there's point. No, there's, you know, there's not a lot of instruments. I think it was just it was just Jared and Billy and Ann, wasn't it? I don't think anyone else played. I think it was just guitar Charlie, and Why don't you pull up, those, pull up those lyrics? Pull up the Battle of Evermore lyrics. Absolutely, Let's go to this one and figure this out. Queen of Light took a bow and then she <clears> turned to gold. 
Prince of Peace, Embrace the Gloom, Walk the Night Alone. Think of the morning. Sorry. I'm always looking forward to that one. What, does he do that with Allison? I'll bet he does. He could probably pull that off. Uh, the Queen of Light took her bow and then she turned to go. The Prince of Peace embraced the gloom and walked the night alone. Oh, dance in the dark of night. Sing to the morning light. Oh, I'm killing it. The Dark Lord rise in force again tonight. Oops. Uh, hey, go, towards the, go towards the bottom of the lyrics. Let's see what's going on there. Scroll down to the Scroll on the bottom. Waiting for the angels of Avalon. Waiting for the Eastern Glow. Oh, shout out to the Eastern. Yeah, well, they were waiting for them to throw their damn ring in the thing before, with their diversion up out front. The apples of the valley. The gates. Hold the seeds of happiness. Right? Chris, you with us? What do you think? I'm here. Who's the tyrant whose face is red? Oh, mor- so, so mortals never Sauron, know. Sauron's flame. Yeah. Gotcha. Tired eyes on the sunrise. Waiting for the Eastern Glow. Was Sam and Frodo are throwing the, throwing the damn thing in the in the fucking pit of lava. So when they do the movie on Sandy Denny, uh, I, on should play Sandy. Oh well, the night is long. The beads of time pass slow. Tired eyes on the sunrise, waiting for the eastern glow. Maybe that's it. All right, let's go. I'll do the third verse. So, the pain of war cannot exceed the woe of aftermath. That's a great line. I'm going to read that again. The pain of war. Cannot exceed the woe of aftermath. The drums will shake the castle wall. The ring wraiths ride in black. Ride on. Sing as you raise your bow. Ride on. She's stronger than before. No comfort has the fire at night that lights the face so cold. Oh, dancing in the dark of night. Sing to the morning light. The magic runes are written gold to bring the balance back. Bring it back! Bring it Bring back! back. Hey! Bring it hey. back! That's it. What Bring it doing? back. Bobby, what are you doing here? Oh, she do 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 do. Okay. Well, C- cover wise. Bring back to Mount Doom. That's where it was forged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe that's it. Bring it back. Yeah, I think you're on it. Highlight of the weekend, cover wise. Yeah. I'm more of an, of an originals guy, but as far as the covers yeah. went, <laughs> this mm. one and the wizard. What was after that one? Uh, we went from there to War Pigs, which they nailed. Right. But I need another War Pigs cover like I need a hole in my head. But it was great. <laughs> um, and then Fearless, Pink Floyd. Fearless. That might be about... Yeah, how do we go from War Pigs to Fearless? How does that fit the, the pairing there, fit the plot line? Well, they've got to climb Mount Doom to throw the ring in. And mm-hmm. it's right next to the tower where Sauron lives, essentially. There's the... Uh, and who's the fool who wears the crown? I'll go down that hill in my own way. Wonderful. And he has done that one a bunch. Yeah. Fire line and fire in my tongue. Fire in my tongue. You got to be a high on acid to even think about doing something like this. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, fire in line and fire in my tongue. How do they fit? And then we go back to the crown for a song that yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about. He throws the ring. Well, spoiler alert. Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> falls into the falls into the mountain with the ring. Gotcha. And uh, and the and the mountain explodes and there's, there's lava everywhere and and they they make the decision to not stay 
in the mountain and to walk outside and sit down. They thought about just sitting down right there and letting the lava take them, but Sam talks Frodo into going back outside just to, just because. Mm-hmm. And so they go back outside on the mountainside and pass out. And the long journey home might be eagles, hopping on eagles and taking them home. Right, but don't skip over Crown of Thorns. That's like a oh, per- shit. That's right. like a Pearl Jam nerd's paradise right there because that's a Mother Love Bone song. And I, I think Pearl Jam's done some other Mother Love Bone songs, but only here and there. That's the only one that they do with any sort of regularity. But even so, not that frequently. Uh, maybe in the 90s they did, but recently it's once in a while. It's Mother Love Bone, and it's an awesome, wonderful, wonderful song that I can, I can – you can be more specific, but I can kind of tell how it fits. But go ahead, Chris. Well, Crown of Thorns is – so the, the ring's destroyed. Gandalf saves Frodo and Sam, and – Frodo wakes up in Gondor. Everybody's happy. They've won. Everything's wonderful again. And Aragorn gets to be crowned king of Gondor. Oh, Hundreds of years of running around as a ranger in the north and making sure everyone else was safe with no no accolades. Nobody even ever knew about it, but he was constantly helping and doing things to save, keep everyone safe. Mm -hmm. And now he's finally getting crowned king. And uh, just on a Billy Strings admirer point you play a set in which you cover black sabbath led zeppelin pink floyd gordon lightfoot twice right but in this set and then mother love Bone. <laughs> oh right this set sorry so it's kind of covering pearl jam you know mm-hmm. it is one i'll send to my and you end with long journey home with bluegrass standard and you have the drummer it's almost like a fuck you to the chair snappers i'm not just going to end with the bluegrass standard and crush it and make it work it's unbelievable i mean Na- who else would end nashville with- is fucking just quivering right now yeah it's gonna be a civil war, civil war and wait till they hear you're making Asheville chicken right in honor of this episode <laughs> we've uh, carl has created a specific dish called Asheville chicken but that's for later we, we we're not wasting chris time on this we, we only got a few more minutes with chris. Uh, yeah. which by the way thank you so much chris this is very kind of you uh, we really appreciate your knowledge and your insight and your passion. It is a beautiful thing, and it's so nice of you to share it with not just us, but our listeners and whoever else listens. You're doing a very, very cool thing. Thank you. If you want, you want to send a message to Chris, you know, give email us. Email us. us. Stewonthispod yeah. at gmail.com, and we will pass it along to Chris because he's kind of a low-key person, but he is one of the uh, coolest music fans I've ever met in my life, and I've been meeting music fans for about four decades now okay so the encore i was kind of lost uh i thought i thought they had returned to the original song and they definitely alluded to it but uh, it's not appearing on the set list explain lord of the rings 3000 and a walking song they did so uh, this was the one place i'm not sure live for live music got it right so okay the so the opening tune was on the soundtrack if i'm not mistaken it's called concerning hobbits but and they went back into that same tune, but because Billy pulled out the, the that weird guitar, I can't re- ever remember what it's called. The Les Paul? No, this is the one he played on Big Mon in oh, at the Eastern. Yeah, it's like a little box and uh, like you, a cigar I, guitar. You know, it brings me to guitar? a point. I have to make a point. Uh, um, previous to this, and and I think in part because he's such an amazing and distinctive acoustic player, I had only been sporadically knocked out by his electric playing. Once uh, at the Eastern when he did Big Mon in the encore, and then scattered moments when he was with Carlos and uh, Aaron, Aaron Magner and Billy and the kids. I had been kind of like, yeah, he's good at electric, but nothing too, you know. But, but Monday night at Asheville changed nothing too fancy. that. 
Oh, I'd love to hear Billy Strings do nothing too fancy. I don't know if he has the courage to cover that. Yeah, I'm sure he could. Yeah, oh, he's are you poking the, the bear? Electric. I would like to see him do it, but I'm not. The bear? I'm not sure if he has courage until I hear it. But go ahead. That that, that was the guitar. I wish I knew more about it. But you, you, you we're kind of like that, Chris. We, we're not. Uh, you're more of a guitar expert than I am, and I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not at all. <laughs> okay, well, you're still more. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm the expert on guitars in the room. Here, let right me now. let me pull up Big Mon and no, show it. Let me check it out. I'll look I it know up. the difference between a Strat and a Les Paul. That's about that's about where. Roger, roger that. I know it was interesting hearing Howard Stern ask Bruce Springsteen about guitars, but I won't get into that. But the the Mon the it was it, it was something three thousand, right? Yeah, Big Mon. It's actually a believe it or not a freaking Bill Monroe song. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Here, I'm pulling up. Um, the so East that's what. So a, a lot of people online, I was seeing wow. the, the set list. Is that thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. it. Oh, you know what it look? You know what it is? I think it's like a. Um, I really can't tell how many strings it. It looks like something like. Um, uh, pulling up my video, who, Vitamin R Energy on YouTube. The, if you new, want a bunch new, of Billy Strings videos. The new prog. It's like a. It's like an electric. Um, the prog. It's it's like a prog rock. Um, Lead guitar. Who is the name of that freaking guy who plays the fan friended stuff? The every, uh, Where's Jake going right now? Jake, Jake would know what it is for sure. Maybe, why don't you send it to Jake? We should send that video to Jake. Maybe we'll stick in a little his comment. Yeah, it's almost. It's, it's, a, it's a Casio DG20. Yeah, that's, it's something. Yeah, it's. Casio. It's complete nerd dumb is what that thing is. It's not even like this whole fucking thing is complete nerd dumb. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, hats off to Billy Strings for rocking it out. Yes, once again. And hats off to you, Chris, for um, for doing this with us. This has been great. It's yeah, been, it's been. Um, I, I wasn't there for the show. You guys were both there, but I felt like I was after going through all of this. And and there's a lot to this. And um, are we overanalyzing? Yeah, maybe, but still fun. Why not? We might have been underanalyzing. I'm yeah, sure if perhaps. you go to Reddit after anybody hears us, it'll come off as underanalyzing. Right, perhaps. But we love y'all. I don't know if it, probably the only thing that's been analyzed more than Billy Strings is the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they just put out another damn movie on it, too? Is it like Star Trek and Star Wars? Where no, people it, just was write a, it was a show. A, it was a show. Yeah, a series. Oh. Show. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's like it's like, come really, on, really? Do we have to do this again? <laughs> I mean, just read the damn book. Just see, crying out loud. Just get the Billy video. Yeah. I have a feeling Billy should release this on DVD. He I mean, really Peter should. Jackson did a great job. Stop. Right. Mm, hard did, stop. Hard stop. Just go read the books. You know, and then do do more concerts like this, and then we'll be okay. Chris, your lasting thoughts. You had high expectations going into this run. To what extent were they exceeded? exceeded uh, what was lacking and what was uh, what really knocked you out the most? Oh, exceeded. I, I, I was blown away last year with the, with the Wizard of Oz theme, and this took that to a whole nother level. Um, just, just, just watching all the little touches that they threw in that you may or may not even realize got thrown in. I know there were a lot there. <laughs> I feel like the crowd was, there were people that were totally into Lord of the Rings and knew every little thing they were doing. And then there were other people that were basically just big Billy fans and were just happy to be there for the songs, you know, and the costumes. And But, but they may not have picked up on all the little touches. Well, also the fans. I'm not in the whole Rail Rider crap. I went up front a couple times at Eastern, at Santa Barbara, here and there I've been up front. But generally, I hang with my Kimberly back and... uh my impression of the Billy Strings fans 
very enthusiastic. They listen closely. They're very supportive. I'm, I'm really knocked out. I've just, over the years, I chased the dead. I saw them an embarrassing amount of times. Um, people all along for, for the last 25, whatever years since Jerry passed, people say, this band reminds me of that, this band. And they do in a lot of ways. But if there's anyone carrying that torch, I've never seen it like this, like, like Billy does. And the, I know this, uh, I know a bunch of young people who all, there's a whole network of them and they met from seeing Billy Strings and that's part of the beauty of it and the, the effort he puts into to mix up the shows and to keep coming with fresh stuff actually goes beyond the Grateful Dead that what he did this weekend here I mean my god if the Grateful Dead had even taken a stab at this uh, I would have been knocked out but I just he's I feel like he's carrying a torch for Jerry Garcia and Bill Monroe and that is hugely and Tony Rice and that's hugely significant to me so shout out to Billy shout out to the Billy fans and shout out to people like you Chris Johnson Oh, there! Yeah, right behind you. They're wonderful, just straight up awesome people. I, I just bought tickets for State Farm Arena, and I don't. Has he ever played a place that big? Well, he's playing Nassau, but not well. That true. Big. And I hear they're shutting off the top. I don't know. At that point, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. Once he starts getting into arenas, it's kind of like Fish, Dead and Company, NFL. You know, why go and That's deal with true. the hassle when it's covered so well on television? That's just that's my... where I'm going. I'm like, how how's the crowd going to what what's gonna is the crowd going to change now that you know the venues are not as personal as they used to be? I want to go to Tulsa and nerd out in the Dillon Museum and see Billy there. Mark my words. All right, buddy. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for being you and thanks for giving us your time. Oh, it's been really fun. Thanks, Carl. It was nice to meet you. You too. You made Carl late for a work thing, so No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. I'm good. It was fun. Good fun. See you down the road, Chris. Thanks, Rob. We'll definitely see you down the road, bud. God bless you, Billy Strings, and all the Billy Strings fans. And by the way, this was recorded just before Election Day.
and that is election day from the long game. Before we before we wrap up the Billy, uh, tell us about that track, Carl. Election we, day as we stand here before that, just before election. Oh, day. cool, cool. Uh, so well, I wrote that one back in. It's like a banjo tune, like a an original banjo tune, mm-hmm. and I actually um, it's an open tuning. It's a different. It's a strange tuning. It has actually a half step between two of the strings. You can hear it in there. Um, and I think I wrote it on election day back in like, I don't know, 2004, maybe something like that. Um, and it kind of just stuck and it's got like the anticipation sound, you know, like this thing going on and election day is coming up and you think the Republicans are going to mop up. I kind of think the Democrats are and the truth is probably somewhere in between. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lunar eclipse that day. Is there really? There is. You gotta be kidding. I'm not kidding. That's a little scary. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Anyway, no, no, what, I, what my, my prediction was is that you're all familiar with episode, what is it, episode uh, four, Star Wars, right? A New Hope, where Darth Vader is with Leia, and Leia is um, trying to conceal the location of the rebel base, and they go to another planet, and she totally says, oh, the rebel base is over there, and then they blow up the planet. That's what's going to happen next week. Well, I'll learn all that when Billy does a Star Wars thing. Right. And speaking of which, Dylan Vaughn, who did the artwork for your record, also does correct artwork for Billy String stuff that's sometimes even better than the official artwork, which is yes. also is fantastic. And to be announced, he did something for us too, right? Yeah, Dylan Vaughn, and he's going to be doing something for our season two art, right? which captures both of us and has your precious hat. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the Asheville chicken. We made specifically, not Nashville, right. Asheville This is Asheville. We chicken. wanted to keep it weird. It's an Engelman original, like it all is the songs a, he records. It is a curried, air-fried, whole chicken with uh, spaghetti squash and pancetta and maple syrup gravy. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of weird, but that's kind of Asheville. Right. You want to keep your air fryer weird. <laughs> but you're not a big fan of the air fryer. You think it's a little overrated, right? Well, I think it's a marketing gimmick, yeah. It's basically just a convectional oven. But hey, it works great. So, you know, and it's on the counter, counter space. So I vow, it might not be right away, but sometime in the next two years, we'll get you to a Billy String show. We'll hang out. Right. You, me, Kimberly, Ellen, whoever else. And then I'll cook something in the air fryer. Excellent. Yeah. And bring it backstage at Billy and have him not touch it. Correct. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope this brings you a little closer to what the hell went on in Asheville. I was confused at the time, but I was entertained. And I feel like I know more now, thanks to Chris Johnson. Good man. Yeah, it was great. Great interview. Good times. Do you want to play your... We'll be revealing something next week, a mystery song. (gasps) Mystery song number three. I Uh, have not started working on it yet. What about um, mystery song number one? Okay, well, mystery song number one. Yeah, you want to do that next week? Shall we? We could end this episode with it. I think people listening to this might know that song. Ah, you might be right. Do you have the cojones? We could end that and then go into their little thing. Perhaps. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. It's up to you. You take this out if you don't. You leave it in if we do. Okay. Peace, folks. See you next week. She ebb and flows like water She feels just like wine She loved the things I brought her When I didn't even have a dime There were times I felt like hiding She almost could read my mind In her yard the trees were dying And there was nothing growing on the vine I'll be here if you need me I'll be here even if you don't Show me the door, show me something more Take me in or shut me out to sea She lit me up like powder And she scattered me like dust A broken bell in a crooked tower Born to fall and built to rust Mm
here if you need me I'll be here even if you don't Show me the door, show me something more Take me out or show me out to sea Couldn't see much deeper than a penny on the ground We looked as far as flesh and bone So that was all that we found She told me there's a way of knowing When the last time I come and gone We can't reap what we've been sowing Waiting for the answers further along I'll be here if you need me I'll be here even if you don't Show me the door or show me something more Take me in or show me out to sea Take me in or show me out to sea Take me in or show me out to sea